0: Section 2 of The Book of Sir Marco Polo, The Venetian, Concerning the Kingdoms and Marvels of the East, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of Sir Marco Polo, The Venetian, Concerning the Kingdoms and Marvels of the East, Volume 1, by Rustichello da Pisa, translated by Henry Yule. Introductory Notices, Part 2 sketch of the state of the east at the time of the journeys of the polo family the story of the travels of the polo family opens in twelve sixty christendom had recovered from the alarm into which it had been thrown some eighteen years before when the tartar cataclysms had threatened to engulf it the tartars themselves were already becoming an object of curiosity rather than of fear and soon became an object of hope as a possible help against the old mohammedan foe the frail latin throne in constantinople was still standing but tottering to its fall the successors of the crusaders still held the coast of syria from Antioch to jaffa though a deadlier brood of enemies than they had yet encountered was now coming to maturity in the dynasty of the mamelukes which had one foot firmly planted in cairo the other in Damascus. The jealousies of the commercial republics of Italy were daily waxing greater. The position of Genoese trade on the coasts of the Aegean was greatly depressed through the predominance which Venice had acquired there by her part in the expulsion of the Greek emperors and which won for the doge the lofty style of lord of three-eighths of the empire of Romania but Genoa was biding her time for an early revenge, and year by year her naval strength and skill were increasing. Both these republics held possessions and establishments in the ports of Syria, which were often the scene of sanguinary conflicts between their citizens. Alexandria was still largely frequented in the intervals of war as the great emporium of Indian wares, but the facilities afforded by the Mongol conquerors who now held the whole tract from the persian gulf to the shores of the caspian and of the black sea or nearly so were beginning to give a great advantage to the caravan routes which debouched at the ports of cilician armenia in the mediterranean and at trabizond on the euxine tana or azov had not as yet become the outlet of a similar traffic the venetians had apparently frequented to some extent the coast of the Crimea, for local trade. But their rivals appear to have been in great measure excluded from this commerce, and the Genoese establishments, which so long flourished on that coast, are first heard of some years after a Greek dynasty was again in possession of Constantinople. In Asia and Eastern Europe, scarcely a dog might bark without Mongol leave. From the borders of Poland and the Gulf of Scandoran, to the Amur and the Yellow Sea. The vast empire which Chingiz had conquered still owned a nominally supreme head in the great Khan, but practically it was splitting up into several great monarchies under the descendants of the four sons of Chingiz, Juji, Chaghatai, Okodai, and Tuli, and wars on a vast scale were already brewing between them. Hulaku, third son of Tuli, and brother of two great Khans, Manku and Kublai, had become practically independent as ruler of Persia, Babylonia, Mesopotamia, and Armenia, though he and his sons and his sons' sons continued to stamp the name of the great Khan upon their coins, and to use the Chinese seals of state which he bestowed upon them. The Seljukian sultans of Iconium, whose dominion bore the proud title of Rum, Rome, were now but the struggling bondsmen of the Yukons. The Armenian Haitan, in his Cilician kingdom, had pledged a more frank allegiance to the Tartar, the enemy of his Moslem enemies. Barca, son of Juji, the first ruling prince of the house of Chinghis to turn Mohammedan, reigned on the steppes of the Volga, where a standing camp, which eventually became a great city under the name of Sarai, had been established by his brother and predecessor Batu. The house of Chaghatai had settled upon the pastures of the Elai and the valley of the Jakartis, and ruled the wealthy cities of Sogdiana. Kaidu, the grandson of Okodai, who had been the successor of Chenghis in the Khanship refused to acknowledge the transfer of the supreme authority to the house of tuli and was through the long life of kublai a thorn in his side perpetually keeping his northwestern frontier in alarm his immediate authority was exercised over some part of what we should now call eastern Turkestan and southern-central siberia whilst his hordes of horsemen force of character and close neighbourhood brought the khans of Chaghatai under his influence and they generally acted in concert with him the chief throne of the mongol empire had just been ascended by kublai the most able of its occupants after the founder before the death of his brother and predecessor menku who died in twelve fifty nine before an obscure fortress of western china it had been intended to remove the seat of government from karakoram on the northern verge of the mongolian desert to the more populous regions that had been conquered in the farther east and this step which in the end converted the mongol khan into a chinese emperor was carried out by Kulai. for about three centuries the northern provinces of china had been detached from native rule and subject to foreign dynasties first to the kitan a people from the basin of the sungari river and supposed but doubtfully to have been akin to the tunguses whose rule subsisted for two hundred years and originated the name of kitai kata or katai by which for nearly one thousand years china has been known to the nations of inner asia and to those whose acquaintance with it was got by that channel the kitan whose dynasty is known in chinese history as the liao or iron had been displaced in eleven twenty three by the Churches or Nu Chen, another race of Eastern Tartary, of the same blood as the modern Manchus, whose emperors, in their brief period of prosperity, were known by the Chinese name of Tai Kin, by the Mongol name of the Altun Khans, both signifying golden. Already in the lifetime of Chinghis himself, the northern provinces of China proper, including their capital, known as Chungtu or Yenking, now Peking, had been wrenched from them, and the conquest of the dynasty was completed by ching successor Okhodai in 1234. Southern China still remained in the hands of the native dynasty of the Song, who had their capital at the great city now well known as Hung Chao Fu. Their dominion was still substantially untouched, but its subjugation was a task to which Kublai, before many years, turned his attention, and which became the most prominent event of his reign in India, the most powerful sovereign was the Sultan of Delhi, Nasir Udin Mahmud of the Turkey house of iltitmish but Though both Sind and Bengal acknowledged his supremacy, no part of peninsular India had yet been invaded, and throughout the long period of our travellers' residence in the East, the kings of Delhi had their hands too full owing to the incessant incursions of the mongols across the indus to venture on extensive campaigning in the south hence the dravidian kingdoms of southern india were as yet untouched by foreign conquest and the accumulated gold of ages lay in their temples and treasuries an easy prey for the coming invader in the indo-chinese peninsula and the eastern islands a variety of kingdoms and dynasties were expanding and contracting, of which we have at best but dim and shifting glimpses. That they were advanced in wealth and art far beyond what the present state of those regions would suggest is attested by vast and magnificent remains of architecture, nearly all dating, so far as dates can be ascertained, from the twelfth to the fourteenth centuries, that epoch during which an architectural afflatus seems to have descended on the human race, and which are found at intervals over both the Indo-Chinese continent and the islands, as at Pagan in Burma, at Ayutthaya in Siam, at Angkor in Cambodia, at Borobudur and Brambanan in Java. All these remains are deeply marked by Hindu influence, and at the same time by strong peculiarities both generic and individual. End of section 2.